So yesterday we mentioned the book Steal Like an Artist, which is extremely influential in creator circles. And the author is Austin Kleon. And I haven't actually come across the origin story of it until this podcast from Creative Elements, which we featured before in the past, where he actually got interviewed by Jay Klaus and talked a little bit about the backstory, but then also went a bit more into the mechanics and economics of self-publishing, which I think to be a creative author is very important, but I think it spills over into basically everything else that you do. I was like 27 or 26 at the time. These kids were probably 22, you know, so it's like, what can I bestow on these, (laughs) you know, these students? It's just absurd. And they wanted a title for the talk. And I said, oh, it's called, uh, I sort of looked at my blog. I was like, what's the most interesting thing I've written recently? Oh, it's called How to Steal Like an Artist. That's what it's called. And I didn't have it written or anything. <laughs> it's just like, that sounds good. But I had this blog post that was like all these quotes about artists talking about stealing. And then I went on this walk with my wife and I said, you know, what do I say to these people that aren't that much younger than me? And she said, well, the best talk I ever heard at school was this lady got up in front of her class and she just had a list of 10 things that she wished she had known when she was a student. I said, that's great. I'll steal that. And that's where the talk came from. The talk went over well, but, you know, me being a sort of old millennial right on the edge of, you know, I was born in 83. So it's like, I have a little bit of that digital native to me, but not terribly. So it's kind of like, well, what happens to all this material after I give this talk that no one recorded? And so I thought, well, it would make a really cool blog post. And that's really the thing. I posted the How to Steal Like an Artist blog post, and that went viral. And this is 2011. And it became clear, like, immediately, because I started hearing from editors, it's like, this is your next book. Even though you put this book out that was a poetry book that sold okay, but, like, didn't really blow any doors down, but this is, like, the new one. So you get a second chance, This idea of being a second chance, was this the language that was told to you by the publisher? No, 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 no. That was just in the back of my head. You know, for the publisher, it's all... uh, Publishers just think, is it going to be a good book or not? You know, I mean, it's a funny thing. My my agent would hate it if I told this story, but which makes it even more fun to tell. But, you know, Ted, uh, my agent, there was a point after Newspaper Blackout came out that I wrote him an email, and I said... I just realized that I really need an agent. You know, like, this is, it, it would be good to have an agent. I realize that now. And he sent me this email back that was pleasant, but he was like, look, kid, I make money by selling books. So when you got, you better hope this book that you did on your own sells well. And if you got another idea for a book, then come see me, right? So that was like right after Newspaper Blackout came out. Well, I came to him when it was time to sell Steel Like an Artist to publishers. So it was never the second. It almost feels like, I don't know, like a band, like Nirvana puts out Bleach and then never minds the like the major label, even though that doesn't really work because my publisher Workman's independent. But it did feel like, okay, this is the pop shot. This is like, this is the chance to do a book that might have a bigger audience than, than the poetry book. Well, I kind of blew past this. You know, a lot of people come on the show 
they've self-published books. Some of them have gone through a publisher and they talk about it being like a miserably difficult experience to get to the point where someone says, okay, we'll publish your book. Yeah. And you published Newspaper Blackout through a publisher. How did that happen? That was just an editor that was a year younger than me at Harper Perennial, Amy Kaplan, who she's got a different name now. She said, have you ever thought about a book? And I said, hell yeah, I thought about a book. <laughs> Let's do it. And they sent me a contract, which, you know, really in hindsight, I should have never signed. But, you know, I had my, my mother-in-law is a lawyer and she looked over it and it seemed fine. You know, it was like, it was, you know, it's a poetry book. And the stakes seemed very low. But I, my feeling was always with books. When people want a book from you, they'll, they'll tell you. You know, that, that's always how I felt about it. It was, was like, it's much easier to be wanted than to try to sell something fresh or new. Now, you know, every writer now has the ability to grow an audience before they ever publish a book. The thing is, is that you want an audience. If you want to self-publish, you got to have an audience. And if you want to publish with a publisher, you need to have an audience. (laughs) So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you're, I think the thing that I tell people now is it's like, it's both terrifying and freeing the fact that you always run your own show and It's always in your court. You are always the one doing the work. You know, I've been a published professional author for a decade now, and nobody ever comes to you and says, we're going to do it for you, kid. Don't worry. We're going to make you a star. It just doesn't happen. I mean, maybe it happens to like a pop singer or something, you know, but it's never going to happen. Every person you see that's like a big deal, there's just all this work that you don't see that happened before that, where they were making things happen for themselves. You know, I thought when I was younger, I'm such a genius. I'm so talented. Someone will just come out of the woodwork and say, oh, you know, here you go, kid. You know, I just, I just had that stupid wishful thinking. But, you know, my agent has three things that he tells writers that I think are really, really, it's really, really good advice that I try to pass on. One, get famous first. And that sounds horrible and terrible, but really what he's talking, fame is just more people knowing you than you know people. So fame can be a tiny fame too. So that's just getting known in your field. Like get known for something. That's, I would actually change it from getting famous. I'd say get known for something, you know, first. Ted's second, his second piece of advice is all publishing is self-publishing. So whether you're self-publishing or whether you're going with the big five or big four now (laughs) publisher, you are the one that cares the most about your work. And you're always going to be the one that pushes it and sells it and gets out in the world the best. And then three, the thing that Ted says that I think is even more true today than it was when he was saying it 10 years ago is you're really CEO of your own multimedia empire. To only think in terms of books is very limiting now because you have these tools available to you now where you can just do whatever. I mean, you've got the access to media now is, is stunning, you know? So it really becomes about what you want to do. But I always thought those three pieces of advice were really good. But I think the major thing is, is like, don't wait on anybody. No one's going to come and knight you, you know, no one's going to get out the sword and put it on both shoulders and say, I knight thee. you're in the club, you know? And by the time 
it feels like you're in the club, you don't need to be in the club. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's yeah. just, so I'm always with people. I, I always think that young people need to get sort of the best of punk rock early as they can. Not the like, oh, sell out, bleh, spit on you punk rock, but the real sort of the kind of punk rock that Michael Azarad writes about in Our Band Could Be Your Life. These bands that got in the van and they toured and they built audiences city by city and they got addresses and built their mailing list, you know, that kind of great American, you know, it's the best of America. Punk To me, like the band on the road, that's like sort of the best of the American dream, you know, like building your audience slowly. Yeah. I feel, I feel like there's like a, there, there's a lot of analogs from music to all the online creator stuff we talk about today, because they were just out there doing it, going on the road, building this mailing list. Every time they went to the city, it just got a little bit bigger. Yeah. And that's not that different than what we're doing now. It's just, instead of cities, you have, maybe internet communities, maybe you have these small pockets of culture. Yeah. It's really about the same. One newsletter subscriber at a time. You know, somebody tells their friend or tweets it or whatever. You know, the music's interesting for me. I'm sort of a, I'm, I'm sort of a wannabe. You know, music is what got me through my teenage years. I realized very early on it wasn't going to be the lifestyle for me. I wasn't going to be okay with just like being on the road and, trying to entertain people, which is hilarious now because half of my job is getting up on the stage and performing for people. But music has always been an influence. And music is interesting because musicians are always the kind of canaries in the coal mine as far as media goes. Anything bad that's going to happen will happen to musicians first. And it was true mm. of streaming. It was Well, it was true of digital. It was true of Napster and all that. It was true of streaming, and it was true of the pandemic. Musicians are really the artists. They're sort of, I can't think of another art form that's really more on the edge of whatever the world is doing, and they'll do it to them first. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I had that thought when we started to see holograms of Tupac at Coachella. I was like, <laughs> this, is, this is next. Well, it is Tupac. It's Gemini season right now. I don't know when this will air, but, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's like... Oh, the, the indignities that are put upon the passed away musician. Your, your three rules from Ted, if you believe them to be true, which it sounds like you do, that number two rule of everybody is self-publishing, what is the litmus test now for someone to decide if they should go with a traditional publisher if they have the opportunity? Oh, great question. I think it has a lot to do with business goals. It just depends. It depends completely on the person, depends on what kind of stuff you're writing. You know, for me, my books do really well by the cash register at the mm. paper source or the, you know, Urban Outfitters or wherever. Now, these books have taken a hit during the pandemic because nobody's in person anymore. You know, so those books take a little bit of a hit, but... You know, like I'm reading a book right now on how to take better notes. And I forget the guy's name, but it's like, that's a very niche yeah. thing that most publishers probably be like, take better notes. What is that? You know, whatever. I'm sure this guy's probably sold a million copies. He's probably made a, 
you know, fortune. The thing about self-publishing that I try to remind people is that it exists on a very wide economic spectrum. So like, for example, my two self-publishing heroes are on one side, a guy named John Porcellino, and on the other side is a guy named Edward Tufty. Now, John Porcellino has been doing this zine called King Cat for 30 years, I think. King Cat, since like 19... Yeah, you can tell I'm not good with... It's late afternoon. My math skills are bad. But John's been doing this zine for 30 years, at least. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest American comics, in, in my opinion. John's never gotten rich off of it. He you know, started when he was a kid. It's still got that punk Buddha energy to it. But John now, I think he, he just started a Patreon and I think he's just starting to be able to save enough to have a reasonable, like lower middle class. I I mean, this is just from what I've seen of him and seen of his work. He's just starting to be able to like, kind of have a decent living through Patreon and his subscribers to King Cat. So that's like one side of the economic spectrum. On the other side is someone like Edward Tufty. Edward Tufty was a statistician at Yale. Nobody wanted to publish his book called The Visual Display of Quantitative Information. Can you imagine? <sighs> no one wanted to publish that's that a, book. That's a tough <laughs> so, title. So he self-published it out of his garage, took out a second mortgage on his house, Ed sold like 1.5 million copies of these books. They retail for $40. So you do the math, even if there's half. I mean, this guy's made, you know, he's made 40, 50 million dollars if you do the math off of of self-publishing these books. And he tours like the Grateful Dead. You know, he's one of those guys, he goes around with a sound system. He sets up in a Hilton ballroom. 500 people come and they sell, you know, 300 bucks a head. And everybody gets books, and he just goes around and does that and makes a killing, too. You know, meanwhile, John's at, like, a Comic-Con hand-selling King Cat, you know? So, like, but both these dudes, to me, are, are punk, you know? Like, they're both, they have that DIY punk spirit that the Grateful Dead had, too. You know, they're doing it, they're just doing it themselves, you know? But... Yeah, I don't have a huge opinion. I mean, the publisher thing, to me, it's still about having the muscle of distribution and getting it everywhere. And of course, the publisher takes a little bit of the risk with the printing and stuff, but that with on-demand and stuff, it's changing a lot. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, what happens with my next book, you know, whether I do some self-publishing experiments or not, it's still worth it for me to go with a major publisher. But I have friends that say I'm stupid. You know, I, I have friends that say, why, why at this point wouldn't you self-publish something and sell it for 20 bucks and keep 10 and make a killing? But for me, it's about just being patient. I'm planning on doing this for a very long time. 